0: Find a location near
1: you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Take can't Tell be the hackers. No. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. Follow me on Twitter at JJLAHEY to stay up to date on all things Packers or to submit questions. Uh, You folks probably already know what the topic of the day is. I don't know yet because I'm going to tear through my backlog of questions. I I apologize to some of you who have been waiting a little while. Gonna you know, tear through some of these questions, and you'll probably kind of you'll know from the title of the episode, which I haven't named yet, <laughs> what uh, the overarching topic I'm gonna settle on is. I've, I got a couple interesting ones. Big thanks to Jeremy Retz for hopping on Patreon on the five dollar month tier. Super appreciate you. Um, up to what six patrons now? Um, so that's that's huge for me. Um, I, I super appreciate it. Um, nice to get a little bit of help with um, trying to upgrade my recording equipment, um, put a little bit of money into uh, improving the sound already. Hopefully it sounds better than it did a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to kick things off with a little bit of talk about David Bakhtiari. Um, The one and only Sam Holman, who you guys already know, If you are new to the Packer Podcast Network, Sam does uh, Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast um, on here. So make sure you check that out. But he also writes for WSH. And he wrote an article called Don't Panic About David Bakhtiari, which is intriguing to me because I am panicking about him. Uh, But he talked to uh, Amy uh, Bobades on Twitter. I know her. A lot of you guys know her already as well. Cool person, didn't realize she's a physical therapist, so nice to hear from her perspective what's going on with uh, Box ACL, since this is the best resource I have available. Here's a quote from Amy. She said, the nature of Box's injury was an ACL tear, then meniscus. I didn't realize that. He confirmed himself in an article, looks like this was on ClutchPoints.com? It's ClutchPoints clutch points one of those sites that i hate no it's not i was thinking of uh oh the blue and yellow one this one's red black and white anyways <laughs> uh okay but but the original source this was cheesehead tv that's what i thought that's what i thought so clutch points is just quoting cheesehead tv all right he confirmed himself in an article that they took out approximately 10 to 15% of his meniscus ouch Usually that indicates it was partially or fully torn, but this sounds like it was partially torn, since they were able to salvage a majority of the meniscus. There's also a question of whether or not he potentially had some damage to the MCL as well, which would complete the trifecta of what we call the Terrible Triad. Did you know any of this? This is all news to me. (laughs) The Terrible Triad is the ACL the medial meniscus, and the MCL. So it wouldn't have surprised me if he had some issues with his MCL given his size and the MOI, which means mechanism of injury. Per Amy, ACLs have... Oh, I skipped a paragraph. Um, uh, she said nobody has confirmed or denied an MCL injury in addition to the ACL and meniscus injuries. Uh, but she said it wouldn't surprise her... Because those two components usually happen in threes. I don't understand that sentence. Oh, well. ACLs have the ability to take up to a year to heal and then throw in a medial meniscus trying to heal. And you add another component to the overall healing timeline. Now, I will add in my own two cents. I, My experience as just a, an observer of football for many years, I, I would say that an ACL is really a two-year injury not a one-year injury I, I get what she's saying that after a year it's like okay it is fully functional however that's I I, I would say that's only from the uh, physical therapy standpoint not the football standpoint if you're looking at it through a football lens you have a one year to get back on the field and then another year to get back to the point in your game where you were at prior to the injury. So just a little more context on top of that. Amy says, then throw in a medial meniscus trying to heal, and you add another component to the overall healing timeline. Since the meniscus and ACL have different functions in the actual joint, the meniscus acts as more of a shock absorber, and the ACL acts as more of a support for your entire knee while doing all the twisting and turning motions you need during your activities. Stop. That's interesting to me. The meniscus acts as the shock absorber, well, think about, you know, when Bakhtiari played in that Lions game and how his knee filled up with fluid. What if it was actually the meniscus that is uh, healing slowly? That could be a thing. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Amy goes on. Um, Bach noted he worked hard to get back, had to have his knee drained 15 times. Ouch. <laughs> Inflammation is a part of the healing process, but too much inflammation leads to setbacks, pain, decreased range of motion, etc. We then find out he needled the arthroscope to clean out scar tissue. I think that was kind of later in the year than we were hoping, too. That was like, wasn't that during the regular season? And drain even more fluid. It's not uncommon for ACL patients to have that scope so they can get that last bit of range of motion and strength. So that makes it sound like it's a, like a, a very final step, but now fast forward, you know, basically seven, eight months later, and he's still not able to even be participating at mini camp. Doesn't sound to me like he's at the very tail end of things or, or wasn't back when he had the arthroscope scope done. And again, I don't think the arthroscope was in like December, January. I think that that was earlier in the regular season. We know Bakhtiari has to be able to get down low, be explosive on the way up, and hold his own as men his size or larger try to get past him. So there's strength, reaction, vertical and lateral movement, and a trust factor within himself that all have to be done with 100% confidence for this to work. Yeah. I feel like that's a little bit more of like if he was playing and sucking (laughs) and you could blame the injury. We're not even at that point. We're at like he can't even practice. She says the physical battle is aggressive, but the mental battle is just as, if not more aggressive. I don't care about the mental battle because I am a, an old-fashioned, uh, toxic masculinity white dude who says rub some dirt on it and get out there. Which is why nobody hires me to coach a football team. Which leads me to another point, says Amy, that Bakhtiari mentioned himself he needs to just shut down and let his body heal. Trying to put all this hard work when your knee isn't fully ready to handle it is only delaying his start to consistently getting back in the field full time. Great. So, that Lions game. About that Lions game. Sam says, Amy believes Bakhtari's long recovery is not a catastrophic development. In her opinion, it is expected given the extent of the injury and the inflammation he experienced. What about the Lions game? Asks Sam. He says, I also asked her about another aspect of this recovery. Blah, blah, blah. Lions game. I'm not blah, blah, blah blahing Sam, but like you should read his article. You don't need me to read the whole thing off to you. But some of these interesting quotes from Amy are worth the time. She says, at the time, I was so excited to see Bakhtiari back for the Lions game, and he looked phenomenal. He himself even said he felt great. He was just exhausted. That was my takeaway, too. Speaking as J.J. But that's the other component of these types of injuries. How does the body respond 12, 24, 48 hours after you go back to 100% game speed reps? He wasn't even practicing, was he? Was he practicing prior to that game? It all runs together now because he's been hurt for two years. It's like, oh, yeah, you expect me to remember exactly what he was doing in December? We got our answer. The knee wasn't ready, which was not what we wanted to hear. But, hey, I'm glad he listened to his body and didn't risk a re-tear in the 49ers game. Could you imagine if he... If he re-tore his damaged ACL, which I think is what OBJ did, didn't Odell tear the same ACL in 2021 as he had torn in 2020? I mean, that's got to be related. If it's the same one, it has to be related to the recovery, right? I mean, maybe it's the opposite knee for Odell. Odell's not on our team, so I'm not going to waste time looking it up. But I'm just saying, could you imagine if Bakhtiari re-tore that knee? I mean, you you talk about, oh, man, we paid him like 30 million bucks to play a half a game. <laughs> Imagine if then he retore it again. Amy believes the Lions game was not a setback. Instead, it was a sign that his recovery was not yet complete. The extent of the injury and the accompanying inflammation simply demanded more time to heal. That is exciting to me because um, I don't know ACLs. I don't know physical therapy. To me, I would really have thought that he went out and played that Lions game and it was a setback and that choosing to play that Lions game damaged the knee further. Amy says she doesn't think that's the case. So encouraging. Do check this article out. It's uh, WisconsinSportsHeroics.com. The article headline is Don't Panic. About David Bakhtiari by Sam Holman, and make sure you listen to uh, Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast on this network on the Packernet Podcast Network. So, um, all right, I'm going to take an ad break, but I wanted to do this little update on Bakhtiari because I, I just I'm at a point where I think that Bakhtiari's return might be the single most important line item if you're trying to win a Super Bowl spoiler alert (laughs) Uh, if you listen to no huddle radio my other podcast uh, I'm going to do an episode with Gil Martin uh, this Friday make sure you catch that and we're going to be talking about what specifically the Packers need to do to win a Super Bowl this year so spoiler I am going to be talking about this item pretty high on the list but I, I just look at I, – I don't know that Elton's going to be ready to play this year. Maybe he will. Bakhtiari's injury seems to be more severe than Elton's from the little bit that I've heard. And you'd expect Elton could get back at some point this year. I, I'm not thinking week one. I'm not even thinking – I mean week six or eight feels about right for me, for them to start working him back in. But then, you know, what? what is he going to be in year one of his new ACL? Probably not everything that he was prior to the injury. It's going to take him another year. It's going to be 2023 before he's back to pre-injury form. So that is that is key. Bakhtiari, I think, really is has to be a lot closer to and, – and we saw the, the quality of play for him in that Lions game last year. Let me pull this up. I'm curious what his uh, PFF grade was in that game. Um, how did he play? Because my because my takeaway was I thought he played absolutely fine. Yeah, here we go. 75.2 in that half of a game he played. So uh, 72.7 pass blocking, 75.4 run blocking now. You compare that to his grades in the last couple of years, they're significantly lower. Uh, in 2020, he had a 90, let's see, 2018, he was an 88 overall. 2020, he was a 91 overall. So he played half a game in 2021, had a 75. I'm more than happy with that, you know, and, and again, it was a half a half a game hadn't really been practicing To have him out there, I thought he looked fine. If he is healthy enough to get on the field, I don't really have any concerns about his quality of play. So that's where I'm at on that. But thank you to Sam for doing that interview, getting that information for us. We'll see. Uh, I'm just really not encouraged by the stuff that Matt LaFleur is saying right now about Bakhtiari. Every time they ask him, he's like, yeah, well, hopefully, you know, if we can get Bakhtiari back, this is going to be a good offensive line like, wait, what do you mean if? Don't you mean when? (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick ad break, and I'll be right back. In the
0: hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view, by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us.
1: All right, so jump in on the listener questions. I'm gonna th- this first one comes from Tony, and I really need to email Tony back and let him know that he's got the wrong email <laughs> address. I don't know Tony, how you got this email address because this is not the one I use for my football stuff. This is just a personal email, but it's not even like the one that I check every day. I check this like once a month. I have no idea how you found this. This like I, I don't think I've ever given this out. Anywhere, but somehow you have my email address. You've sent me at least two emails to this one, but I appreciate the question. It's a great question. It says for your show or Ryan's. Sorry, Ryan. I keep seeing this Disney bundle sports commercial where it's a motivational speech describing what it takes to build a great team. It takes a a few grizzled vets, a prankster to keep everyone loose, etc. And I was thinking, based on the categories they mention, has Green Bay built a great team? It would be fun if you're needing filler episodes to see if we have players that fit the molds. Cheers, Tony Janikowski. Thank you, Tony. I don't need filler stuff right now, but this is actually a totally interesting topic to me. So we're going to dive into this. Appreciate the question. By the way, if you do want to send me an email, I guess I don't have an email that I use for this show, but I do check the no huddle radio like all the time, like daily. So it's asknohuddle at gmail.com. If you want to email me something for this show, just mention that it's for Cheese and Packers. Um, and uh, and I'll happily answer it there. So asknohuddle at gmail.com. And, you know, if it's a super interesting question, I might tackle it on both shows. But anyways, then I also have a text line as well. So the number for the text line is 231 seven one four four one nine five you can call that number as well and leave a voicemail andy monday did that what last week two weeks ago that was pretty fun so do that uh don't worry about like it's just it's just gonna go straight to voicemail so you're not gonna have some awkward like you know you're preparing to leave a voicemail and then i answer don't worry about that it just goes straight to voicemail so voicemail or text and then email. Um, honestly, the the best way to get in touch with me is on Twitter. Uh, J-J-L-A-H-E-Y. Best way to send in questions. But, again, asknohuddle at gmail.com. I do check that email daily as well. And that's also where I go when I'm like, shoot, where did somebody send me that question? I should check email. Okay, here's the video from Tony. So this is uh, an ESPN and Disney Plus ad. And I believe this quote... According to the YouTube comments which are never wrong, quotes from uh, Tommy Heinsohn, a legendary Celtics player and coach. So, here we go. You want a great team? You got to build it
0: piece by piece. Start with a few natural born leaders. Then you need some old vets who've seen it all. And a few youngsters just getting started. Tough cookies who don't back down from nothing. And some pranksters to keep everyone loose. You need those strong but silent types. And a few not so silent types. This is my show! My show! Those with chips on their shoulders. And ice in their veins. And a few who do anything to win. You find a cast of characters like that. You've got yourself one hell of a team.
1: So I thought this was actually super fun. Uh, I wrote down <laughs> all, the, all the types of players he said you need. And I thought, let's go through the roster and see what we got. First off, you have natural-born leaders. It's a good question. Who do we have on the roster who's a natural-born leader? Start with who is supposed to be the leader of the team. Is Aaron Rodgers a natural-born leader? I think that it is very fair to question whether he's a natural-born leader. Let's find somebody who's, like, indisputable. Your opinion can be that he is a fantastic leader. That's fine. Let's find somebody who nobody's going to argue with. Um, I will say Rashawn Gary is a natural-born leader. That dude, I've told you guys before, I'm an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. I hate the Michigan Wolverines with everything in me. If I could have a sports team abolished off the face of the earth, it would not be the Vikings. It wouldn't be the Bears. It wouldn't. hmm, Actually, the 49ers are pretty tempting. But I, I would choose the Wolverines. I hate Michigan so much. But I and I, I couldn't make fun of him when he was at Michigan because he was such, you know, I, the, only, the only thing I could make fun of was that, you know, he was so passionate about a team that I thought was kind of garbage. But I also admired it. The way he just he motivated and inspired all of his teammates to try and play better, it, it was really admirable. And he leads by example. Nobody can question his work ethic. I think that, uh, I think Rashawn Gary very clearly a natural born leader. Let's look on the offense. Who I got to be careful because I don't want to, I don't want to use up some archetypes on guys that I then want to come back to later. I think I'm going to say, uh, Aaron Jones. Natural born leader as well. Listen to him talk to the young guys, and and I I would have done uh, Devonte Adams pr- previously, but we're we're going to go with uh, with Aaron Jones. He certainly commands a lot of respect on the offense. Uh, I'm not going to go through and, and find an offensive and defensive guy for every one of these, but I, I felt like for a natural born leader. That was pretty important, and, you know, obviously it's a group effort, and it is certainly going to take Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and uh, David Bakhtiari and Mercedes and all these guys all working together to provide leadership. I think it's fun to key in on Aaron Jones, though. You know, he's a former sixth-round pick. Wasn't supposed to turn into anything. Certainly was not supposed to be the highest paid running back in the, in the football at some point, which he is scheduled to be next year. We'll see what ends up happening. By the way, that's an interesting item that we should. You know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sidetrack for just a second because th- this is so interesting to me. Because the Packers' um, salary cap has been such an issue over the last couple of years. And it's like, oh, yeah, and don't forget – Aaron Rodgers is going to be $50 million bucks next year, yada, yada. They're okay for next year. I was thinking we were still totally screwed for next year. We're only $7.3 million over the cap next year. I mean, that is so doable to clean that up. You know, and so the question then is, well, who are you missing? Um, Man, I mean, these guys are... This is still a a full football team. Who's a free agent in 2023? Adrian Amos. Okay, that's big. We got to take care of that. Dean Lowry. I think we might have enough guys to be okay without Dean Lowry. Mason Crosby. Okay, he's going to be, what, 39 or 40 that year. He's probably not getting another. This is probably his last deal. Mercedes Lewis. He's the same age as Mason Crosby. So, again, you're probably just not shelling out. I mean, you know, maybe you're giving him an extra year or so, but I mean, he what? What's he making right now? Four million bucks? Yeah, four million bucks. That's nothing. I'm I'm just saying, like a couple uh, years ago, we were in really bad shape. <laughs> we were in, you know, forty million bucks over the cap every year, right? Why is it saying Christian Watson? Oh, because Christian Watson's not currently under contract. That's why. Okay, well that makes sense. Um, let's see. Alan Lazard. Yep. Robert Tunyon, Jerron Reed, Randall Cobb. Like there's, they're going to sign some of these guys. It's going to add up, but like we were in a situation previously where we had like this many of guys who were not under contract. And we were already 20, 30, $40 million over the cap before doing anything with these guys. Sammy Watkins. Now Elton Jenkins is going to be expensive. Rashawn Gary's can be expensive. Rashawn Gary, though, has his fifth year option next year, and that's factored in already. I mean, who else is there? Uh, Darnell Savage. Again, he has a fifth year option. That's factored in. Yash Nyman, I mean, you know, not that he's gonna be dirt cheap, but he's making less than a million bucks right now. All right, let's go back to the uh. <laughs> I I wanted to hit on this because I knew I would never remember to come back to it. But like Aaron Jones is his cap hit next year is what 25 million dollars 20 million dollars i think it's 20 aaron jones cap hit next year 20 million dollars that's a lot but i'm st- i'm starting to get in a place where i'm wondering if they don't just kind of hamstring themselves a little bit more in the future even further out And try and keep him in twenty twenty three. As wild as that sounds, because I've been saying for a while there was no way he was going to be here in twenty three. But you can kind of push some of that twenty three money into twenty (laughs) four, and no question, you're really hurting in twenty four. But, I mean, is Aaron Rodgers going to be here in twenty twenty four? I I I'm skeptical of that. And there's, there's going to be other guys who, and the cap's going to go up and all that. I just, I'm, I'm starting to think, like, the, the, the closer we get to 2023, the more I'm thinking the Packers have a plan, and it seems to be working. So I need to do a better job of trusting them. Natural-born leaders, we identified Rashawn Gary and Aaron Jones. Old vets who have seen it all, take your pick. There's a few guys you could go here. Um, Aaron Rodgers as an option. Randall Cobb. Mercedes Lewis. I think I'm going to go with Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb has seen it all. And and one of the reasons why I am going with him is because of the leadership role that he is taking right now, where he's mentoring all these young receivers. You know, and and also it it was just so wild that he ended up back in Green Bay, because I don't think any of us ever expected that. Old vets who have seen it all. I'm sure Cobb probably doesn't want to be called old, but let's be honest. <laughs> He's seen it all, and the the biggest benefit he can bring to this team is the wisdom and experience and calm that he can bring to these rookies. So I'm going with Randall Cobb. A few youngsters just getting started. Lots of directions you can go here. I think I'm going to take Quay Walker. And probably Zach Tom and probably Amari Rogers. I'm going to take those three guys. We got a lot of them, but those three guys excite me a lot because of the wide open potential job in front of them that they can take if they are only good enough there's just there's not a ton of competition there's no established guys at uh, at their positions you know there is Chris Barnes but I just think that Quay Walker so easily can beat out Chris Barnes and he's kind of borderline done it already and it's only minicamp Zach Tom could shoe in at, at a number of spots on the offense offensive line. And he is a very talented and, and I, I, I would almost borderline call him polished at, just as a rookie prospect at, at both center and at left tackle. So, uh, but, but these guys, I think, I think they're hungry. I think they have a lot of potential in front of them and they have great opportunities in front of them because of the lack of other options the team has. So, a few tough cookies. This is great. And I almost wish I hadn't already used Rashawn Gary because I remember last year when it it looked like he snapped his arm off on the field. What game was that? It was Seahawks. It was a Seahawks game. And his arm got, like, bent the wrong way, and then a guy ran right into it. And it looked like they just bent his elbow completely backwards the wrong way and snapped his arm. And then two weeks later, he was back out there on the field. Man, would really love to... Use him, but I'm actually going to nominate a couple of our injury-ridden guys who are working to get back. Tough cookies. Um, let's go with Robert Tunyon and Elton Jenkins and Kylan Hill. These are three guys who uh, I think all three of them suffered an ACL. What did uh, what did Kylen Hill have? That was an MCL, I think. All three of these guys got hurt in the knee last year. But they're working their butts off to get back on the field. I admire that, and I'm excited to see their return. Pranksters to keep everyone loose. There's actually a lot of candidates for this one, um, but I think some of the fun ones. You know, I lo- would love to use Aaron Rodgers because I actually think his sense of humor is is really good, and I, I like the way he goofs around. Um, but Kurt Benkert comes to mind as someone who clearly likes to have fun and goofs around and and messes around with other guys uh, a lot of the young guys uh, on defense i've seen uh, linebackers and and safeties and defensive linemen really like joking around i i, I love watching some of the uh, behind the scenes videos that the packers put out where you get to see some of their personalities see them goofing with each other I like Randy Ramsey is a guy who um i've I, he's made me laugh a couple times <sighs> who else? Like Ray Wilborn. Um, Ty Summers is funny. Ty Summers is actually really funny. Uh I'm trying to think who is Jordan Love. Ty Summers and Jordan Love, I think are like locker mates. Is that correct? Anyways, but whoever Ty Summers locker mate was brings him up, you know, kind of on the regular about uh, how he's kind of a practical joker. Definitely. They like to keep it loose in there. Strong but silent types. Now, again, this is, this is a spot where you could put Aaron Rodgers. Um, but you could also, I think, stick um, like uh, Big Dog in here. He's a great leader. Um, definitely leads by example and can speak, but often doesn't need to. think he's a, a, a good candidate for this one. He's probably who I'm going to use. But A.J. Dillon, you know, A.J. Dillon, you could put either in The Prankster or Strong But Silent. You know, the problem with Strong But Silent is that we don't know their personalities a ton. And so I'm kind of thinking of, like, their play on the field, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, A.J. A- a- Dillon is so strong. Okay, well, a lot of these guys are strong. Um, I am going to use uh, Big Dog for this one. He's going to be our Strong But Silent. Not so silent types. We got some chippy dudes on this team. I already know exactly where I'm going with this, but I'm gonna nominate a couple of um, of uh, honorable mentions. Jair Alexander, honorable mentioned. This dude has a mouth. He has an attitude. I love it. He it just comes to work with spit and vinegar in his veins. Um, who else? Aaron Jones likes to talk. (laughs) Uh, that dude has a lot to say, man. This, this makes you wish that Jamal was still here, huh? Um, let's see. Preston likes to talk. Preston's a good talker. Devondre Campbell. Uh, Darnell Savage is a vocal leader that I really appreciate, but there's no question. It's gotta be David Bakhtiari. (laughs) The not-so-silent type, David Bakhtiari, I think, can um, out-talk anybody on the team. Chips on their shoulders. I got my guy. I know exactly who it is, but there's actually a lot of candidates you can throw in here. You can throw in Alan Lazard, who resents being an an undrafted free agent. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has one of the biggest chips (laughs) that you've ever seen. Um. Uh, Amari Rogers, I think you could make a a pretty convincing, compelling case that he has a lot to prove this year. And that's probably frustrating to him. I'm definitely going with Devondre Campbell though. This is a dude who's been overlooked and underappreciated his entire career and has not had the opportunities that he's wanted until last year. And he got to prove it last year but he's got to come back and do it again this year. I think he knows that somebody who has ice in their veins. Clearly this comes down to Aaron Rodgers or Mason Crosby. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. but uh, both of these dudes are as clutch as it gets. And then somebody who's going to do anything it takes to win. (sighs) Again, this is kind of where I wish that, Devontae was here that you could put him in here. Some of our offensive linemen. um, I mean, I've already nominated several of them for other awards on here, but A.J. Dillon works his butt off. I mean, it's really hard to argue with Rashawn Gary if I hadn't already used him. I think I probably would want to put him first again right here for just does anything it takes to win. Rasul Douglas. I just I think I have to go with Rashawn Gary again. He just gives so much effort. I think I'm okay with putting him on here twice as a natural born leader and somebody who'll do anything it takes to win. And there's other guys you can put in those categories, you know, but uh I, I just think that it's worth honoring Rashawn in both categories. So thank you for the question, uh, Tony. That was a fun one. One that I was kind of looking forward to tackling just because uh that that commercial did get me uh pipe you know pumped up. So it was fun. Thanks. You know, and let me just say, Pat, the Devontae thing, just I continue to wonder about that. I just don't get it because as I know better than anyone in my 10 years, they're the most proactive team signing up core players early on than anyone. And they signed up Kenny Clark and they signed up Jair Alexander and they signed up all these uh, Bakhtiari. For some reason, they didn't prioritize Devontae Adams till the end, until the Raiders got involved, I think. So something was off there. We focused on, does Aaron have a problem with the Packers? I didn't think we focused on, there's something going on between Devontae and the Packers. For two years, they didn't get a deal done, which is so out of line for the Packers. Mm -hmm. There's a backstory going on there. There's a backstory with Devontae and the Packers that we don't really know. So I was tagged in this clip of, of Andrew Brandt, former Packers executive, talking to Pat McAfee by Nate, who said, JJ, this guy is a clown. Actually, he wrote a clown like how Pat and the boys talking their uh, their Pittsburgh meme voice. This guy's a clown. Figured you might have an opinion on this. Well, I don't think that Andrew's a clown. Uh, he's been wrong a couple times in the last couple years here on the Aaron Rodgers thing. But I mean, to be honest, who hasn't been wrong on that? <laughs> um. I don't think that he's off base at all on this Devontae issue. However, we know that there was stuff going on. It's just nobody's willing to talk about it. Aaron won't tell us what's going on. Devontae won't tell us what's going on. The Packers won't tell us what's going on. All we have heard is that he wanted to go play with the Raiders. He's a Raiders, Raiders fan, you know, was when he was a kid. Uh, gets to go play with Derek Carr as college quarterback. We we know all that, and it's it's a nice thing to tell ourselves that that's all it was. I don't think that's all it was, and I'm looking at the the replies to Pat's tweet posting this video out, and it's basically a bunch of Packers fans all saying like basically yeah, well you you got two two camps, you've either got Guys like Jacob here, friend of mine, who says the backstory is he wanted to play with his college quarterback and best friend out west. Simple. Um, or uh, here's a different Jacob. <laughs> Two Jacobs in a row. Uh, aging wide receiver wanted to be paid like a quarterback. That's the backstory. They wouldn't even pay Jordy Nelson a third of that money. Well, they did offer it to him though. Uh, Brown's enthusiast says it's simply of Aaron Rodgers and can develop another second round receiver into an all pro caliber player. Well, the Packers were trying to sign Devontae. We know they were, they offered him more money than the Raiders did. So it's, it's neither of those things. And is it the, he wanted to be with the Raiders thing? I don't think so. I think that that is where he eventually settled on. That's what he wanted to do instead of being with the Packers. Because we, Heard reports for a long time that Devontae was disgruntled, that he was upset about how contract negotiations were going. And Devontae was asked about it at the podium multiple times, always refused to talk about it, but he made it very clear he was not sticking up for the organization in this and he was frustrated. I'm just saying it's true. There was something going on. Devontae was upset with the Packers, with how contract negotiations were going. He didn't feel like they were offering him enough, that they weren't prioritizing him enough. He also wanted to go to the Raiders. It's it's both column A and column B. So Andrew Brandt's not a clown. I, I think that this is not the full picture that he's pitching. I think you have to acknowledge the appeals of the Raiders for him, but it, it wasn't just that he wanted to go with the Raiders. It was also that he, you know, and, and I think Aaron Rodgers alluded to this this week, Devontae didn't have any assurances of how long Aaron was going to be here. And he didn't want to be catching passes from Jordan love, especially not, not being underpaid to do so. And I think that he felt, that the last deal he signed with the Packers ended up not being a good one because he was underpaid. And we all know he was underpaid. That was something that we liked about it. Been, been a lot of praise around here for, um, Ted Thompson, that one one of his final acts as GM was to lock up Devante long-term to a super affordable contract. And, uh, you know, to that, to that point about they wouldn't pay Jordy, yeah, that's true, but they offered the money to Devontae. They wanted to keep Devontae. That was a priority. They did want to do that. And I actually think that uh, Devontae kind of saved them from <laughs> losing a lot of the rest of the ability to build a team in terms of, you know, the uh, salary cap by refusing to take that deal that they offered him. So, you know, we, we ha- have to wait and see how it plays out, but no, there there is something here. It's not that the Packers didn't try, and I think that's probably what Nate is frustrated about with this Andrew Brandt clip, is that it sounds, Andrew Brandt is kind of making it sound like, well, there's something going on, and so they didn't want Devontae. And that's not the case. It is the case that, There was something going on, and Devontae was unhappy, and they were not able to come to terms with him. And they normally don't ever let things get to that point with a quarterback. What the heck? (laughs) Uh, Okay, Uh, Big B on, on Twitter just posted a picture of Aaron Rodgers and his new girlfriend. They're out in... I don't know. The badlands. This looks like South Dakota to me. Uh, apparently Aaron Rodgers has a new girlfriend. Her name is blue of earth. Yes. You read that right. She claims that she is a witch and medicine woman. She is an interesting character to say the least. I don't know if this is real. I feel like I'm getting punked. I feel like this is a, a really good April fool's joke from big B, but we'll see. He's, he's a trustworthy dude. I like Big B. He's pretty much always right. This is wild, though. Blue of Earth. What a what a name. Aaron, can you just be normal for once? Jeepers. You're, you're going to make me miss Shailene. All right. Last question, then we're going to get out of here. So uh, this question comes from Michael, and he wanted to know. <sighs> it's kind of a long question. He, he liked the thing I did about the, the bears draft picks that they missed out on. And somehow he's turns that into what happens with players and coaches when they leave the Packers. That's an interesting one. Um, and there hasn't, there haven't been a ton of guys in the last couple of years to take a look at. I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to look at the only in the matler floor era. Cause what happened in the Mike McCarthy era isn't super relevant anymore. Um, you know, and you can go over like Casey Hayward and Micah Hyde and all that, but let's let's look at uh former Packers coaches and players who have left since Matt LaFleur got here and see how they have fared because there has been a, a decent amount of turnover because it's been 4 years, but you're you're not losing a ton of guys every year. So let's start with the 2019 Green Bay Packers roster. I'm going to go through names of guys who are no longer here. Um, I'm only going to do guys who weren't here the following year, though. So if you were here in 2020, I'm not going to read you off right now. But if you were here in 2019 and not in 2020, we're going to talk about you. So we're going to start off with Brian Balaga. Now, Balaga was an, an interesting case because I think a lot of people assumed he was going to get a new contract and stick around, and I never bought into that for a second. I didn't get it at all. I, I never assumed he was going to be back. He hit a wall. In 2019, his last year with the Packers, he had a 77.8 overall grade. His best grade was his run blocking at an 80.1. He had a 73.1 pass blocking grade. Uh, very comparable numbers to what he had a year prior. 2020, he goes from a 70, what did I say, 75? Hang on, i close the uh, tab. 2019, okay, he has 77 in 2019. In 2020, he was all the way down to a 61.6. His run blocking went down to a 53. Allowed two sacks, played 444 snaps total. He did get hurt that year. Now, 2021 it went even worse. Zero sacks allowed. Um, he only played 45 snaps total. He was penalized once, had a 55.8 grade. 45 snaps in the year. So, I mean, maybe he can bounce back, but, I mean, to me, like, I, I think the dude's cooked. Like, the Packers moved on from him at exactly the right time. Who else didn't come back? Well, the 2019 Packers featured Geronimo Allison. Now, the next year... Geronimo Allison signed with the Lions, and he did not end up playing for them because he sat out in the COVID season. 2021, I think he did not make the roster. I think he was a practice squad guy for the Lions. He played in three games. He started one of them, was targeted twice. How many snaps did he have? I hate that most of these stat sites... Just They just don't log snaps played at all. Yards from scrimmage, zero. Zero receptions on two targets. And, of course, no snap counts, which is which is stupid. But he, he only played in three games total and only started one of them. So, you know, not that he was ever anything huge with us. What was his best year? Uh, touchdowns. He never had more than two touchdowns in a season. He did that three times, though, in his four years with the Packers. Um, most yards he ever had, was 303 yards in 2018. So the dude never did anything. But then he went to Detroit and did less than nothing. Montrevious Adams. When was Montrevious? Was he in here in 2021? I think he was still here in 21. Yeah, he was with the Packers. Or, uh, I mean, 2020. Yeah, he was with the Packers in 2020, so that doesn't count. Um, Tony Brown, um, has never really played since he left us, but he wasn't a big factor here either. Ibrahim Campbell, this is going to be an interesting one. Let's talk about Campbell because you kind of forget about him at times. Ibrahim Campbell, 2019. So he had a 60 overall grade for us. His run defense was 71. He had. Uh, ten tackles. So he was a safety. If you don't recall, he was targeted fifteen times, allowed ten receptions, had zero interceptions. Um, dude was not that good. Passer rating allowed eighty-one point three yards per yards per reception, eight point five. He didn't play a ton, but uh, and then twenty twenty did not play. Twenty twenty one did not play. Kyler Fackrell. This is going to be an interesting one. Was No, Kyler was here in 2020, wasn't he? I think he was. Pretty positive. Kyler Kyler was not here in 2020? What? All right. Kyler Fackrell. What's he done? So he's currently with the Raiders. Part of why I'm, this is taking a while and I'm going slow is because no site has all the information I need. So I have to have two tabs open, so i got to search. There's no way this is the right guy. It is Kyler Bruce Fackrell, a.k.a. The Freak. This is what it says on Pro Football Reference. Who in the world has ever called Kyler Fackrell the Freak? So 2019, he played for the Packers. He played 16 games, started zero games. That's wild. He had one sack. This is a year after posting 10.5 sacks in 2018. He had 23 total tackles and assists, 10 quarterback hits. So that's what he did for us. The following year, he played 12 games for the Giants as an outside backer, started nine of those games. He had an interception, um, but he returned 46 yards for a touchdown, two pass deflections, a forced fumble. Easily his best year of his career. Four sacks, 34 uh, tackles and assists. He had 10 QB hits again. And then 2021, he left the Giants. He was a charger, played 13 games for them, started one. One pass deflection, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, three sacks. He has been better since he left us. Um, according to the stats than he ever was with us, minus his weird freaky 2018 year where we all knew like that. He wasn't really a 10 and a half sack guy, although that was his highest graded season, 69.5. So his final year with us, he had a 62.5. 2020, he was a 57.6. 2021, he was a back up to a 63.3. He's kind of been who he was with us. Um but I would say he took a step forward. An um, interesting guy to look at would, of course, be Clay Matthews. He really only played, I think, one season, right? Um, that was with the Rams. So, yeah, 2019, he played with the Rams. He played 13 games, started all 13 of them. Three pass deflections, two forced fumbles, 37 hits, eight sacks, 11 QB hits. This is his best year in a while. I mean, going back to like 2014, 2019 without, you know, with the Rams was his best season. Since 2014, that's, you know, good for him. Uh he ended up breaking his jaw which ended his season prematurely and then he never returned to football. So bummer. I always liked Clay. Um but uh I'm not sure what he's doing with his life right now. I'm sure he's living high off the hog and having a good time. And I'm happy for him. So anybody else from 2019? Let's see. Raven Green. He was still here. Josh Jackson. John LeGlue. See, we don't care about some of these John LeGlue types. So this is about it. Traymon Smith. Actually, let's talk about him because that's an interesting one. Traymond Smith was a defensive back that we got. And Michael's question, by the way, was brought on because of Zadarius and Mike Patton and Mike Smith all being with the Vikings. And he wanted to know how that's going to pan out for him. I think it's probably going to be pretty successful, but we'll see. Trayvon Smith, though, was a defensive back that we brought in from, I believe, the Chiefs in 2019 and put him on special teams. And he was dreadful. And, but then he left and he went to the Texans and um, played better there in 2020 and then in 2021 than he really had for most of his career. In 2021, he was targeted 13 times, allowed 10 receptions, 10.7 yards per reception, pass rating of 126.1. But where he really shone was in run defense. He had a 76.3 run defense grade, had four stops, 10 tackles, three assists. So, you know, they, they found a spot where they can use him. Interesting, interesting player. I was really pleased to see us move on from him, though. I thought he was one. I I still think he's the worst returner I've ever seen in green and gold. That, that was terrible. Now, here's another guy. Let's talk about Alex Light. Remember him? Man, those were the days. Alex Light. Has Light played for anybody? He last was a Cowboy. He still has not played a regular season game. So moving on for him. Looks like it was the right call. Uh, Darius Shepard. So we're kind of getting into 2021 now. But uh, So let's start with Darius Shepherd. Darius Shepard is a Chief now. No, he was a Chief last year. Now he's a Steeler. We'll see how that plays out for him. He did not play in 2021. His final year with us, he had a 52.6 grade in 2020, eight targets, five receptions, 46 yards, no, no touchdowns, zero drops, um, 9.2 yards per reception, um, passer rating when targeted 78.1. And then he did not play in 2021, but now he is with the Steelers. I think he's on their, uh, expect to be a practice squad candidate. So let's see who else from 2020. This is kind of fun revisiting something. So let's talk about Trey Carson, Trey Carson. You probably don't remember. He was a running back that we brought in from the lions. And then there was a game. I think this was against the 49ers. It was toward the end of the 2020 season. And we didn't have like anybody. And it was going to be Tyler Irvin, and i think Trey Carson was going to be a, that was going to be a running back duo. Aaron Jones ended up playing that game. He had had been hurt. So Trey Carson ended up not recording any stats for us, but i just remember there being a lot of fights about Trey Carson because some people thought he was going to be the stud and i want, just kind of wanted him gone. And um he has never done anything since. So all that drama for nothing. But that brings up Tyler Irvin. Let's talk about him. And uh, Tyler Irvin played for us in 2020. He played nowhere in 2021, so that's disappointing. Doesn't even look like he got picked up anywhere. They still list him as a Packer. Drafted in the fourth round in 2016 by the Texans out of the league in 2021. And he he wasn't hurt either. That's a bummer. I always really like Tyler Irvin. I still would be happy with bringing him back, but I I think that ship has sailed. Talk about... um, Corey Lindsley, though, because Corey Lindsley is still always mentioned as one of the top centers in football. Question is, how good was he last year? Do you know? Actually, pretty good. Eighty five point seven. So this is our first really big success um, in terms of somebody. Well, Clay Matthews, I guess. But, you know, but he hasn't played in two years. But Corey played in twenty twenty one. 85.7 overall. uh, 84.9 pass blocking. 84.6 run blocking. He was penalized six times, but he played 1,076 snaps. Um, Zero sacks allowed. Two hits, 10 pressures. That's basically who he was for us his last couple years. Um... Not quite as good as he was in 2020, but better than he was in 2019. So, looks like he's still kind of in the prime of his career. Um, he was second team All-Pro last year. He did make the Pro Bowl. So, happy for Corey at how old, 30 years old. I would say he probably still has another four or five years left in him in the league. Happy to see he's still playing well. I do understand why they moved on. I was pro moving on from Corey Lindsley. I didn't want to pay him what he got paid. I think he made, what, $30 million with the Chargers. I, I couldn't do that. But and, and and we've been okay with, you know, since he left at center. Josh Myers, Lucas Patrick held it down last year. I think this year you'd expect the... Number one and two to be Josh Myers and um, Zach Tom. I'm not concerned about center. I was prior to drafting Zach Tom just because I really wanted to have some depth there, but I, I feel pretty good about center for this year. Let's talk about Jimmy Graham. My man. This is the dude who we all wanted gone when he was here. Jimmy Graham had a revival with the Bears in 2020. Played 16 games, started 15 games, targeted 76 times, hauled uh, in 50 receptions, 456 yards. Um, actually, not that's not a ton of yards. 9.1 yards per reception, which ties for the worst of his career. 9.1 in 2017 with Seattle. Uh, 8 receiving touchdowns, 32. First downs, long of 30 yards. um, b-b-b-b-bum. And then 2021 fell off substantially. He did still play 15 games, started six of them. Targeted 23 times for 14 receptions, 167 yards, 11.9 yards per reception. Here's the nice thing that he did. He did go suck up a ton of money from the Bears, and they don't have any money at all. Today, none. It blows my mind that they have no draft picks, no money, and no players. That's wild to me that you can get that in that situation. But they did. Um, anybody else from twenty twenty? So now is when we want we want to look up uh, Montrevious Montrevious Adams. So he went to the Saints for a hot minute, and then I think he ended up playing for the Patriots. He's currently under contract with the Steelers. In 2021, his first year away from the Packers, he had a 60.5 overall grade. Run defense was 50. Pass rush was 72. He had, how many sacks? Zero sacks, six hurries, three hits. So the one thing you're good at is pass rush and you have nine total pressures on the season. That's not great. 11 tackles, four assists. Um, but you know what? This is a little better than he ever was with the Packers. So happy for him. Actually, it's not quite, eh, I mean, six, one half dozen, the other his final year with us, he was better as a run defender than a pass rusher. Still had zero sacks, but he had more, uh, well, fewer pressures. Yeah. His pass rush went down, but his run defense went way up or was way up. I should say nine tackles. Uh, that dude just sucked up a roster spot for so long. So, now I think this is where we want to pivot over to um who left in 2020 and and uh, was here and was not here 2021. I guess I would, uh Reggie Begelton, did he play anywhere? Then we got to hit coaches real quick and then wrap it up. Reggie Begelton did not play in 2021. Tavon Austin. Remember the five days that we were excited about Tavon Austin in 2020? 2021, he was with Jacksonville. He played 13 games, started three of them. 37 targets for 24 receptions, 213 yards, 8.9 yards per reception. This is a good year for him. He has not been this good since 2016. This is his best year since then. So 11 first downs, one touchdown, long of 25 yards um you know not super exciting but better than he had been in kind of a long time it's about it isn't it tim boyle I could talk about tim boyle I, I don't understand the cult following that tim boyle had while he was here never understood that and i think it's weird that people are rooting for him as a lion that, that's just so strange to me but whatever his overall record is 0-3 and three as a starter. Uh, he played five games in 2021, started three of them. Wow. 61, uh, 94 attempts for 61 completions. He had 526 yards, three touchdowns. Um, touchdown percentage, 3.2. All right, I'm, I'm probably going to hate myself for doing this. But what's Jordan Love's numbers? (laughs) How does Jordan Love compare to Tim Boyle? Because Jordan Love played a similar number of games. So Jordan Love, so the bar here, 526 yards for Tim Boyle, 411 for Jordan Love. However, the passing numbers are drastically different. So Boyle had 94 attempts, 61 completions. Love had 62 attempts, 36 completions. So completion percentage, a little bit higher for Boyle. Uh, one more touchdown for Boyle. Now, L- Jordan only started one game. Boyle started three, so that's a massive disparity. Um, and Boyle had 50% more passing attempts. Interception percentage, let's see this. Okay, this is encouraging. Love had a four point eight uh percent interception i think i said that backwards and then boyle had 6.1 interception percentage so point for love boyle had 28 first downs love had 22 that's where i wish i had snap counts all right i need to see this jordan love snap counts come on i'm just gonna google it because nobody wants to give me snap counts jordan love snap counts 131 snaps Okay, see Tim Boyle. Uh 180 snap counts. So that's actually interesting. They played I mean Boyle still had more snaps than Love, but it's closer. Looks like Jordan Love played a a significant number of snaps in those two half games that he played. Either way, this isn't great. I don't hate myself as much as I thought I was going to for looking that up, but um let's see, anybody else that we need to cover who was not here in twenty twenty one? Raven Green? Let's do that one, because that was that was an interesting talking point because he went to the Bucks after they beat us in the uh NFC Championship game. He did not play for them in twenty twenty one. I think I remember he got hurt in the preseason. Uh Snacks Harrison. I don't think he's played since. Yeah, no. His last game was with the Packers, so he did not play after that. Um, anybody else? Josh Jackson? Yeah, I was talking about Josh Jackson because he. This will be interesting because we can see how that. Uh, that trade worked because we got Isaac Yatham, and he was dreadful. And it was just kind of a one for one. Like, let's just get something out of this guy. With, uh, with Josh Jackson, so Isaac Yadam played, I mean, he was absolutely horrific for us, but he played in just one game, oh, no, he played in 16 games, started one game. Um, Ten tackles. I don't see any interceptions or fumbles or anything like that. Okay. That was yeah, Isaac Yadam for us. Josh Jackson played in just two games he had four tackles so if you can believe it we actually got the better end of the deal with Isaac Yadam than the Giants did with oh wow get this he didn't even play he didn't even play his two games for the Giants they cut him he played those two games for Kansas City. Wow so as bad as the Isaac Yadam experience went for us we still came out on top that's crazy. All right, thank you so much to everybody for sending in those questions. Um I just uh kind of cherry pick some of the ones that uh looked fun to me to answer. Oh shoot, I got to do coaches. Okay, coaching staff. There's there's been a very little amount of coaching staff turnover. I think so Sean Menenga and uh what was the name of our wide receiver's coach that we fired after 2019. I got the picture right here. Um uh, do 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 Mike Pettin. I guess we, we gotta talk about Pettin. Um, let's see let's see. Montgomery. What was the oh Jason Simmons defensive backs coach? Wow, I don't even remember him. But I guess you know we we clearly had a guy before. Um, Jerry Gray. Okay, so this will be interesting. So Jason Simmons, defensive backs coach. This is a guy who. Um, was on the floor's like rookie coaching staff. So, he, after he was fired by Green Bay, he went to the Panthers where he helped a young Panthers defense improve to 18th in the NFL in points allowed per game after the team finished in 30 31st in that category in 2019. That's good. Um, Under Simmons' tutelage, five different veterans in the secondary posted individual statistical career highs. In Week 11 versus Detroit, the Panthers recorded their seventh shutout in franchise history while holding Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford to a season-low 178 yards and 70 passer rating. In Week 15, the Panthers' defense held Packers MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers to a season-low 143 passing yards. That's something we did not talk about. In 2020 is that we were going up against our old defensive backs coach. In 2021, uh Simmons was still with the Panthers, and they had the second ranked defense in the NFL in total yards allowed and fourth in passing yards allowed per game. That's pretty crazy. So why did we get rid of him? Because um Jair and Kevin King were both pretty good in 2019. Why did he leave? All right. So interesting. So he was not fired. He just left. Per Tom Silverstein, this is January fourth, twenty twenty. Can confirm that Packers defensive backs coach Jason Simmons is headed to Carolina to join his join his former colleague or his former college defensive coordinator Phil Snow. Packers are lineup candidates to replace him. That is really interesting. Um, Simmons was. Um, I think he was here under McCarthy, wasn't he? Yeah, he coached in Green Bay for a total of nine years. After getting his break as a coaching administrator in 2011, Simmons coached both defense and special teams before serving as secondary coach under defensive pass game coordinator Joe Witt this past year. All those experiences on top of a 10-year playing career gave head coach Matt LaFleur and defensive coordinator Mike Pettin the confidence to assign Simmons his biggest coaching opportunity, a promotion to head defensive backs coach. Wow, so he took, like, a, a step down to leave Green Bay and go to the Panthers. That's really interesting. I don't remember this storyline at all. That was uh, the last time Kevin King was any good. <laughs> it was 2019. Um, I, I that's, that's interesting. So he's been really good since he left. All right, who else? Oh, so the wide receivers coach. So Alvis Witted was the guy who Matt LaFleur hired when he first got here. He was the wide receivers coach at Colorado State from 2012 to 2018. He was the offensive quality control coach for UCLA in 2011, and then he was at Millsaps College as a wide receivers coach in 2010 former player from 1998 with the Jaguars um, up until he played with the Falcons in 2002 and then the Raiders through 2006. He got fired after our dreadful wide receiver room in 2019. He has since then been with the Wisconsin Badgers as their wide receivers coach. So there you go. Not in the NFL, but still coaching football. Um, the They'll be interesting to see what the Badgers do in 2022 at receiver because that's one of the areas where you kind of would th- hope, if you're a Badgers fan, which I'm not, you'd hope to see some improvement this year. But I think, um, I want to say there, didn't the Badgers' number one receiver flip over to cornerback this past offseason? Pretty sure that happened. But they got a guy that they're excited about. So we'll have to see what happens there. But uh, Witted was not a guy who I was bummed to see go. So the only other guy to look at then would be Mike Pettin. Now, Mike Pettin is not the defensive coordinator of the Vikings, but he is the assistant head coach. And uh, by the way, don't forget, you know, you know that he's with the Vikings now, but did you remember he was also with the Bears in 2021? a senior defensive assistant under Matt Nagy. Uh, And then in 2022 accepted the role of a senior defensive assistant and assistant head coach under head coach Kevin O'Connell. And uh, let's see where the Vikings – I guess we – no, the Vikings isn't going to be relevant. we got to look with the Bears. um, How did the Bears do on offense last year? Because that's where he was. Chicago Bears defense rises to number five, it says, which is interesting. I didn't think that they were that good. Um 20. So the Bears on defense were better than you thought. They were second in the NFL in passing completions at 314 completion percentage. They were down um at they had a 65.8% completion percentage. Uh, which is not that good. The Jaguars were the worst at 69. Bears are at 65. And for perspective, the Bills were the best at 56. Um, Let's see. Total yards. The Bears were third best. They allowed 3,257 yards. Touchdowns, they were pretty bad. Um, Not as bad. Well, they were tied with the Packers um, for third worst in the league, allowing 31 touchdowns to opponents interceptions they um to tied for third worst they only had eight interceptions um and then let's look at sacks as well because that's interesting there are nowhere to we found on here yeah yeah they are here we go uh fourth most sacks in league at 49 which is wild even in a bad year for the Bears' uh, defense. Their defense was still light years ahead of their offense. All right, so, but again, he was not the defensive coordinator. He was a um, senior defensive, what, consultant? Uh, senior defensive assistant uh, for the Bears. So we'll see what he and Mike Smith and uh, Zadarius Smith can all do together in Minnesota this year. I will tell you I'm not looking forward to it. I think the Vikings are going to be pretty good this year, but we'll see. That's another topic for another day. Until next time, catch me on Twitter at JJLahey, L-A-H-E-Y. Send in questions, and I'll talk to you all next time on Cheese and Packers.